0: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired.
1: Stephanie and I had such an amazing experience last week. We went to Healing Elements Yoga and Massage Studio in St. Anthony Park, which is really on the cusp of um, St. Paul in Minneapolis. And we went there and we took just a wonderful yoga class. We each had our, you know, own massages. I had like an integrated massage, which I've never had before. And the therapist was so wonderful. What, what did you have? I had a
0: deep tissue and I was had so much inflammation going on in my body. It was wonderful, wonderful. Probably one of the best massages I've had. Um, It's such a welcoming community too, Marnie. Like we sat before our massage and yoga class and we had tea. They have like a little, you know, tea coffee shop area and retail space, which had the cutest little things
1: like I could just spend time kind of browsing around in there. Yes. And um, it was just it's such an authentic place. Like you really could feel that welcoming community and um, inclusiveness and connectedness, really. And they have so many different services they offer. They have all different kinds of yoga classes, meditation classes, massage therapy. They're
0: doing workshops and special events. And you can actually sign up to be a, have like a massage membership. So if you are someone that- Which is so cool. Yes. So Healing Elements has an amazing offer for all of our listeners. First time customers can receive a one week of unlimited yoga classes for free and $15 off a massage treatment. Head on over to our show notes and you'll get the promo code. You can either book online or you can call the studio. I cannot wait to go back. Either can I. Hello and welcome to episode number 19 of the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter and I'm here with my co-host Marnie Dachis-Marmette. You are going to be blown away from today's conversation with Fred Haberman. Fred is considered a serial social entrepreneur, and we will define exactly what that means during the the interview today. Our conversation with Fred goes so much deeper than I think Marnie and I ever envisioned it. Um, And before I get into Fred's credentials, I just want to touch on some of these points because so inspiring, so motivational. Um, you're going to love, love this episode. Some of the themes and topics that we touch on is the power of human interaction and how, especially in today's day and age, we really need that personal connection um, in the face-to-face interaction too. We talk about you know, how he's been a pioneer for making a difference in the world by helping people and the planet through social issues. Um, We touch on positivity through self-expression and just the need for all of us to have that creative outlet and to find our passion and to have less structure and to facilitate less structure in our days because that really helps um, bring out the creativity and allows us to, you know, have successful businesses while also making a difference in the world. Um, And just Fred's intellectual curiosity and his background that's really and that has really instilled this experiential learning has taken Fred to where he is today. So for a little bit, bit of background, like I said, Fred's a social serial entrepreneur and just been an agent for change in the good food movement. Um, he's the CEO of a very mission-driven marketing agency that we'll talk about uh for the last 25 years and he's helped bring organic food into the mainstream He's spurred the growth of brands like annie's organic valley earthbound farm all while supporting the organic trade association and the national cooperative grocers association he was one of the co-founders of urban organics which is a usda certified organic aquaponics farm and we'll talk more about what what he's done with that and what, exactly what that means Um, Fred's really on the leading edge of a movement for a more sustainable agriculture. And some of the interesting facts about Fred um, and different organizations he started from scratch um, was the U.S. Pond Hockey Championship, which takes place here in Minnesota. Um, He's also started an employer-sponsored garden. And his latest venture, Freak Flag Organics, is a USDA-certified organic food company that produces the most delicious, clean condiments, pestos, and soon-to-be soups later in the year. So with that, um, let's turn it over to our conversation with Fred. Fred, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited um, that you're here with us.
2: I am so glad to be here, thank you.
0: So let's just get started. You have such an interesting and diverse background, so we'd love for you to share a little bit with our listeners just about you know your journey and what brought you here today, and you're like totally a serial
1: entrepreneur, and we want to hear about that. Yes,
2: I think it's a bit of a disease, maybe that's what my wife would probably say. I just love to create things, um, and and I think my whole life um, I've been really fortunate to be able to follow my passion. You know, even at the University of Wisconsin Madison, I I basically just took classes I was interested in, from art history to to music to to English, and then. Uh, That liberal arts passionate approach, you know, took me to some really interesting places um, to adventure travel and starting a business with my wife in Kazakhstan to uh, starting an adventure travel company and taking people to Nepal all the way then to really um, uh, identifying a deep, deep passion for good food. And so really about 30 years ago, I started uh, learning a lot about uh, organic food and, and and all of the the positive um, attributes that organics provides both the planet and people, and so we started a company called uh, Haberman, very original name, with the mission of telling the stories of pioneers who are making a difference in the world. And and I think that's really where this idea of social entrepreneurship started to bloom. Was was this idea of uh, how can we make a living by uh, of course both making money, but also um, uh, making a contribution in the world. And so uh, for me, uh, the mission at Haberman has remained the same for 25 years, and I defined mission as the contribution you make in the world, and the vision is how you manifest it. When we started Haberman, there was no Internet if you can believe it. And so how we did our work was very different than it is today. However, the mission is maintained the same. And then just to kind of jump ahead, really the the clients that we started uh, taking on were folks that we wanted to advocate for. The brands have always been secondary. It's the human beings behind those brands that have really excited us, like Organic Valley and Annie's. And then that, of course, and I'll be quiet here in a second, uh, we uh, also wanted to experiment by creating businesses ourselves, whether it was an aquaponics facility or that would help um, hopefully turn around an uh, an area of economic development, or uh, just quite frankly, to do things that are less serious, like creating the US Pond Hockey Championships where people can just go out and play and be kids and not have coaches watching them, and also have an an avenue for for adults to celebrate um, their youth with uh, other youthful 50-year-olds.
1: Wow. There's a lot. I, I have so many yes, questions. I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, I Okay, first of all, can you just quickly define social entrepreneur? Because I think a lot of people don't really know what that means.
2: You know, I suppose everybody has a, a different definition. You know, my definition, um, interestingly, has to do with my own personal purpose, which is to use entrepreneurial principles to solve social issues. So for me, it's really you know, another way to think about it is how can I do good while, while making money or another way to think about it is how do you create and generate a triple bottom line? How do you, um, do something that both creates profits, uh, but also supports people and the planet. So once again, for me, it's really about how am I using entrepreneurial principles to solve social issues? I do believe in the positive force of business. Um, certainly, uh, of course it always comes at the, at the hands of good people. Uh, but, but for me, um, you know, organic has been that, but also, you know, how can we, how can we feed people and how can we create greater awareness for, uh, good food, bad food, um, moderation, these types of things.
1: So that's fantastic. And so inspirational going back to all the things you mentioned, You mentioned you were in kazakhstan which is so unique right and you said something about how an experience there sparked your kind of um quest for being more organic healthier can you talk a little bit about that and
2: there are so many there's so many aspects of that experience that that sparked so many different things but the one i think you were talking that you're referring to was something we were talking about before uh, we went on the air across the world, which is, uh, my wife and I were in this very remote part of the Tianjin mountain range in, in uh, on the border of China uh, and the former Soviet Union. And, um, you know, we were days away from um, any city. And my wife, for some unknown reason, contracted this this allergy reaction or had an allergic reaction and her eye swelled to... to you know you know a scary size and immediately the people we were with uh, natives of the of the area immediately went about uh, collecting various flowers and herbs it was the uh, uh, early spring and the, the flowers by the way were just absolutely gorgeous and it, quite frankly wild horses would go through our campsite I mean it, this was a very wow. remote, remote part of the world Anyway, they went out and gathered all of these flowers and herbs and and boiled them, created a bit of a tea or a stew, let it cool, and then dipped um, you know one of one of our clean shirts into the uh, the cooled tea and wiped it around my wife's eye, and lo and behold, magically within about forty minutes the swelling went down, and it it really at a at a young age I was about twenty six. Um, was one of those experiences that said, you know, we really need to begin cultivating our understanding of plants, understanding the the healing powers uh, that exist in these these wonderful, wonderful plants that, of course, um, are grown all over the world. And um, you know, trans um, transport to today in the last ten years, fifteen years, you know, we've we've worked with companies like Traditional Medicinals, a tea company, and 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 other um Advocates for this idea of plant power. Um, we had met, you had mentioned earlier homeopathy. Now, homeopathy absolutely has a place, this idea of, of using all, what we would call alternative medicine. although if you ask somebody hundreds of years ago they would just say, that's medicine. If you went to other parts of the world where they don't have, uh, institutionalized medicine like, like we have here, which is called allopathic medicine, you, you, would, you would see that indeed there's a much, much deeper knowledge of how to use these plants. And of course, um, I'm not, you know, you don't, you can't just use uh, homeopathy, I would say, in today's society uh, as the only way to take care of yourself. I mean, quite frankly, um, if without modern medicine, because my wife had a very tough, tough birth experience, if we just use homeopathy, she wouldn't be here today. So you have to make decisions around, you know, what, what is best for you. And, but there's no doubt that we tend to default first and foremost on asking ourselves, is there an opportunity to use plants and to use homeopathy?
0: Yeah. And even just thinking about like the diverse range of your experiences and all these businesses that you created, was there something even growing up or in your youth that you think like sparked that desire and that passion that you've had?
2: You know, I think. Very. My parents were, um, you know, pretty powerful figures in my life. Um, my mom started the first um, integrated nursery school in Milwaukee. And so she had this, she's kind of a you can do anything kind of attitude. And at the same time, she would kind of push me out to do different things. So she pushed me to be an exchange student um, in, in my junior year in high school. And she pushed me to to go and go to this camp which was probably one of the most one of the most powerful experiences of my life this this camp called camp Manitouish, where i started to really learn the power of experiential learning Mm -hmm. this idea of hey you know i've never been in a canoe i'm about to go on a three-week canoe trip with people that i don't know how am i going to get along and how am i going to survive with these people and you know tr once again transition a few years later, where indeed I'm now leading the trip and I have these 11-year-old kids who are responsible, that I'm responsible for, it started to cultivate this idea that you can do anything within reason. I'm not going to end up playing for the Lakers uh, <laughs> ever, not even close, uh, but it does give you this 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 thinking that, that because you just went on this long canoe trip and accomplish something with maybe four people you liked and one person you didn't really like, but you got along and you went over these massively long portages that you could do anything. And then that combined with my dad, who um, was just an intellectual, heavyweight, uh, liberal arts oriented Harvard law guy who, uh, quite frankly, always was intellectually curious. Mm -hmm. And intellectual curiosity to me, combined with experiential learning, is one with, with passion is one of the most powerful combinations you could ever imagine. And my dad taught me that, God bless him.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like you had amazing role models as parents and just experiences.
1: And when I'm listening to you talk about the canoe trip, that makes me think of, you mentioned that you led trips to Nepal. Yeah. In what capacity was that?
2: So after Kazakhstan, my wife and I traveled eastward uh, around the world and spent time, um, we went uh, through uh, Karachi, Pakistan and ended up in Kathmandu for a month and then went for a month in, um, into the remote areas of, of Nepal and then New Zealand and some other locations around the world. We came back to the United States. Uh, and did a lot of executive coaching, organizational development work, but used the, the wilderness as a means for helping, once again, this experiential learning, a means of teaching. Um, and we would take people to remote parts of Canada. My wife had just led a 600 mile canoe trip uh, 50 days up to the Arctic Circle. And um, we thought, well, let's take people to Nepal as well. But it was always about remote wilderness. So we have, we, you, could, you had to depend upon your, yourself or, or the, the group of people rather that you're with. And so, um, that was, we, we took people back for a month. And for me, it was always, well, if you're going to go to Nepal, you got to go to remote places and you got to go, um, where you can have both a, a very, very powerful remote experience, but also a very, very powerful cultural experience. So that was the, that was how we got back to Nepal. And, um, it's, it's, if you ever get a chance to go to some of these remote places, I, I highly recommend it because you're kind of going back into time and you're, you're, you're going back where, once again, we talked about medicine, we talked about food, we talked about the power of human interaction and human um, ritual um, that is for the most part, I would say one of the things that's missing today in today's culture. Where it's been replaced by, we don't even need to talk about what it's been replaced by, but it's been replaced by technology and a number of other things that I think, quite frankly, as humans were, this is my own humble viewpoint, we're just not quite ready for it. <laughs> you know, it happens so fast that, that you're kind of, you know, the this, this, this soulful and human connections that, that, um, that we're missing, I think, um, are hurting us.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more, unfortunately. Um, so dovetailing a little bit into like current sort of what you're doing right now, um, want to chat a little bit more about obviously a little bit of your PR agency and sort of how that's unique. And then talk a little bit about your latest endeavor, Freak Flag Organics, which um, I've just been a huge fan of. I mean, I found them you. and I... On the Lake Winds Co-op, a local co-op here. Love in Minneapolis. Lake Winds. Here's a shout out for too. Lake Me too. Love Lake Winds. Love the,
2: love the <laughs> Minneapolis co-ops. I mean, yes. they're just they're the best in the country. I, you know, you take them. We take them for granted. And I'll tell you that we're the envy. Truly, this is not an exaggeration. We're the envy of the of the rest of the good food world in the United States. You know, we we compare ourselves to San Francisco, L.A., wherever it is, New York. We have the best co-op system, and they rock. They do.
0: They they do. And it's funny because I found your sauces just looking. I'm always exploring new products. I found them. And then, you know, a year later, talking to people who know you and who are working with you now. And so I've just been a huge fan. And I love all the new condiments and sauces that you keep continuing to create and reinvent. So... Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about what's unique about the sauces and also just kind of what drove you to go from the PR agency and all these different endeavors that we've discussed to then creating an actual product for the shelves, supermarket shelves?
1: And just to add on to her question, if you can throw in some information on the hydroponic company somewhere in there, I'm guessing that kind of fits in, too. We'd love to hear
2: that. Yeah. So, um, you know, Haberman... My wife and I, so we started. Sarah uh, and I, uh, my wife, started the company 25 years ago. Um, shockingly, we're still in business. I don't know how, but we are. Uh, and uh, a big part, we've always viewed Haberman as a, as a platform. Once again, for following your passion and or, or or following, you know what what our people really were excited about. And of course, a big part of the of that is is working for people that we believe in. Um, and fo- once again, following what we're interested in. But as we were doing that, um, we also felt that we could learn more about, and this wasn't the only reason, but we could learn more about what our clients were going through, for example, Organic Valley, if we would try and make an attempt at doing what they're doing to a degree. And so one of the things that we did this is our eleventh year. We created this thing called the employer-sponsored garden, where we have uh, folks in Delano, and we have a chief gardening officer that lives uh, and we that used to work with us. Where we we plant organic food every year, and it's a benefit to our employees. But it's really interesting to 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 do something like that for a variety of reasons. One is you learn how difficult it is to 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 each year. For, to just get the seeds in. Sometimes it's too wet. Sometimes it's too dry. You know what are the farmers going through, and that's kind of you know have this empathy for what Organic Valley is. The same thing with say for example creating this uh, urban organics, this aquaponics company, where you then you know you're, you're you're you have this deeper empathy for what our our CPG retail or uh, producers were going through. How do you compete on price? How do you talk with the buyers at these food stores? What are the supply chain issues? The reason why we created uh, Urban Organics with uh, three others uh, here in town is that I'd been doing so much with organics that I, I still always needed to have organic food be the, the final production, but I wanted to try to experiment with this food access uh, idea. There are, there are 6,000 food deserts in the United States, places where people don't have easy access to nutrition. Meaning that they have to take one to two buses to get their groceries. And it's not uncommon for these people to say, what gas station do you get your food from? Okay. We have 26 of them, uh, Minnesota. We have 26 of them in the Twin Cities. Oh, wow. And we're a very wealthy state. Really? So there was one that we ended up identifying in... East St. Paul, and since we created this aquaponics, I wanted to do a number of things. One was I wanted to, with with my my friends Dave Hyder in particular, create a, a facility where we would only use two percent of the water to grow uh, lettuce year round, and when we and 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 also grow fish. The fish create the waste. The waste then, to make a long story short, creates this organic fertilizer for organic greens, but also to do it in an area that needed economic development. Since we started that $200 million of investment has poured into that community, and several hundred jobs have been created, not just because of us, but because we triggered it. I already lost what the question was. Oh, yeah, free flag organics. That, oh, that's, that's amazing. Just, yeah. Yeah. First of all, like
0: that is truly incredible. Exactly. And just for people that don't understand what you aquaponics is, maybe even just Back up for
2: a second. Yeah, so basically you're leveraging the symbiotic, uh, the potential symbiotic relationship, crazy enough, between fish and plants. So imagine fish, in this case tilapia, growing in, uh, it could be Arctic char, we end up growing Arctic char, in these big pools. And these are school fish, so they're used to being in schools. And But, but in essence, the fish, of course, create waste. The waste is filtered through a system that then um, Takes out all the solids, but then you still have this, these powerful organic nutrients in the water that then is pumped through uh, these um, kind of a imagine uh, basically a, a stream, so to speak, uh, in these um, containers where the plants are floating in the containers, but the roots of those plants are touching the nutrients. That then allow it to, to to grow. Of course, you have interestingly artificial sunlight, LED lights that are in, in an indoor setting that are growing those greens. And we we have hydroponics. This is aquaponics. Aquaponics is once again fish and plants. Hydroponics is just using. Uh, water and, and sunlight and fertilizer, so to speak, to, to grow those plants. We have facilities like that. For example, Bushel Boy here in town is doing that with, with tomatoes. They're a client of Haberman's, and they're, and they're able to provide those fresh uh, uh, vegetables, in this case, tomatoes. Why would you do something like this? Well, we're still a few iterations away. I kind of view it as, okay, you knew 30 years ago that something was going to happen with these computer circuit boards you knew something was that we didn't know was going to end up being a phone in a and and uh, in our pocket and that it would be connected to the internet but you did know that something powerful was going to happen with these circuit boards the same thing is happening with aquaponics and hydroponics so the larger vision with aquaponics is to take imagine can, what what continent is going to be the most populated continent in the world uh, in 20, 25 years? Is going to be Africa. What there are parts of Africa, of course, and it's not just Africa; it's everywhere where you have you 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 don't have a lot of water, but you have lots of sunlight. So imagine, but you also have you know people that desperately need nutrition and protein. Fish is probably one of the most efficient proteins there is. One pound in that goes into a fish eating generates one pound of flesh on a fish versus cows. I always forget the number, it's like four, eight, 12, something like that of, of pounds goes into one pound. So it's very, very efficient. It's also, quote, better for the environment. I do eat meat. I just, but but it is a very efficient way of doing it. So to make a long story short, imagine a million square foot facility, two million square foot facility in Africa, completely off grid, all solar. That's using two percent of the water through through water that's in the earth to help feed those people. It's not the only variable in the equation to feeding the world, but it's a very important one where you can on site um, have um, you know a very very powerful mechanism for feeding people.
1: Wow, so. Is your current? But you, you are you still part of Urban Organic?
2: We're not. We sold it to Pentair, and it's it's unfortunately met with uh, met uh, it's no longer with us. However, um, the learnings are absolutely tremendous, and I think it's spurred many many other aquaponic facilities around the world. So we would go to conferences, and I still talk, you know talk to people around the world, and. Uh, there's a massive one going into uh, production in Florida. Um, there are they're popping up all over the world. But as I mentioned, um, you know that one facility, you know, is is has gotten us that much closer to having more and more of these. Imagine if you live on an island. Uh, you know, there are people in Hawaii that are doing this. There are people in Singapore that are doing this. There are people um, all over, and people like Bushel Boy are perfecting it and um you're going to see more and more of this i
0: know it's 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 amazing amazing. it's amazing to think about
2: that it it has you have to take the long-term view on it because it's 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 kind of like those that circuit board analogy you've got to view it as an iterative process but to get back to freak flag organics and some of these other companies um many of our companies you know with haberman would end up being purchased like annie's Mm -hmm and, um, you know, Nyman Ranch and Earthbound Farms. And, and so we thought, well, let's put our hand at, you know, developing a CPG company, um, and doing it hopefully with the, the requisite, um, DNA that, that, that we want to see. And once again, what's one of my passions is, 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 is trying to to do things that are, are creative. Um, and, you know, one of, I think I mentioned before we got on that one of my favorite movies is The School of Rock. Uh, interestingly, one of my favorite ages is 10 and 11. Um,
0: um, I have an 11-year-old 11, 11 yeah. you can... And, and, and
2: one of the reasons for that is that they have imagination. You know, I, I agree with Einstein that imagination is is more important than knowledge. And I believe that today, more than anything, it's important... For people to step into their passions, to to be themselves, and 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 I think that there's true joy when you create things, and I think that every day, if you're lucky enough, you get to uh, cook something. You have an opportunity to create something wonderful and beautiful and all your own. And interestingly, you know, you know that there's there's real vulnerability and fear when you uh, host Thanksgiving for the first time, and you're worried about this dish and that dish and is it going to be good enough? And, but then again, you're going to mix it. You're going to take it a little bit, you know, uh, your way. You might add a little more garlic or you might add a little, you know, and when it happens, some beautiful, you know, you, you feel better about yourself and you're inspiring somebody else. I hope. And I kind of see the same thing. Like when a nine year old sees, I can't help it, mom, I got to go and sing. I need to go and do this. And to me when that happens and they step forward and you're all amazed, they're happier and you're happier. And so the mission of Freak Flag is to inspire self-expression for better human understanding and connection. Because when we, when we do and, and create acts like that, good things happen. And the products themselves are inspired by international travel, but also hopefully provide new flavors and different, different um, ways of going about or inspiring, I hope, uh, creativity in the kitchen. I love that. Yourself.
0: And, and you know I, it's funny because that's something I actually talk with clients about all the time. They fill out a little assessment and they rate their kind of rank their creativity. And so many <coughs> women and moms say, oh, I'm not creative. <coughs> oh, and you. then we start talking about cooking and they actually are able to increase that satisfaction of their overall creativity in life by getting back into the kitchen and cooking and doing exactly what you said. So, And I think that does really help benefit your overall health and happiness, too. Yay. And I love yeah. the name. It's like I you're know. waving your freak flag, right? Yeah. I mean, your
1: your individuality.
2: You know, so, you know, freak sometimes has a negative connotation. So I, I decided, why not? Let's define it. Let's create our own definition. We create our own, I create my own words all the time. So we define freak as one who emits positivity through self-expression.
0: Oh, I love, love that. Love yeah, that. I know. I saw that on your website.
2: So I'm 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 all about, like, for me, you know, my, you know, it's, My favorite role model and has been because I'm 50, I'm almost 54. And um, so I was a bullseye for growing up with Mr. Rogers. I was three when when he came out. And and I really, truly have been saying this way before these documentaries because he was such an important part of my life. And quite frankly, many, many people that are around my age. And so he's one of my role models, as well as interestingly, at the same time, Sesame Street and the fun of like super Grover, you know, and, and having fun, but also having a point to, you know, being kind of silly and goofy, but at the same time, um, you know, he kind of follows his passion like cookie monster. I know we'll probably get into veggie monster and cookies, but Hey, I eat cookies. Let's just be, let's have moderation. Exactly. But, but Mr. Rogers, you know, as, 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 as dorky and people like to make fun of it, it was always about, you know, Hey, you're special, you know, let's, Let's let's support that. Um and, and we need to do that because of all this crappy cyber bullying and all this BS that I can't stand. Oh, you bullies, get out of the way. I don't know, whatever that that Jack Black tune was.
1: Yep. Well, and it sounds like you have so many like creative passions. You mentioned you play you like to play guitar, you kind of follow the dead, you you know, traveling, all of this stuff. And I think that all of that breeds creativity that you're channeling into such good in the businesses you're creating
2: i love i mean i love playing music it's it's uh you know to me the grateful dead um and and lots and lots of musicians one of the reasons i love the dead so much is that it was um you know i'm, I'm a big improv person so i they're going up there and playing, you know, they're a live music band. So, and 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 there are many lessons from the Grateful Dead. One is to 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 step into that 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 unknown and that fear of of maybe playing something a different way or trying a, a song that you've never done before in front of people. Well, at the same time, they were way way ahead by allowing people to tape their concerts. Okay, mm-hmm. so and you would trade tapes, meaning music is not for sale so much as it is for sharing and inspiring other creativity and other ways of thinking and to me that is a very very powerful concept particularly back then and um, uh, you know uh, that's why you know when we created the u.s pond hockey championships i know it it actually transfers because if you talk to gretzky you know we did that we were we supported. We didn't make the movie, but we supported the pond hockey movie. When you talk to Gretzky, you talk to um, Broughton or whoever it might be that your your heroes are, and some of the folks that were like that that were interviewed in the movie, they talk about the backyard rink. They talk about the unstructured play. They talk about the improv and the creativity that they were employing when they were by themselves, imagining once again imagination, imagining what it was like. When they're at the Stanley Cup, when they're nine years old or 14 years old and they're doing these different moves and that translates into life. It translates into the kitchen. It translates into, um, I think, a more fulfilling life experience.
0: Mm. That's uh, that's beautiful, actually, what you just said. Um, And so
1: now you're kind of channeling all that into freak flag organics.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's. Boy, it's hard to start a food company. I mean, it's it's super, super hard um, for so many reasons. Supply chain, this, that and the other thing. I mean, if I had my druthers, I would just do the brand consumer. You rah, rah, go get creative, do this, do that. But, um, you know, and there's a big, big part of that. uh, but a lot of it is simply, you know, the blocking and tackling of getting into stores.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, which and, I hear and, and is very demos. difficult. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 We've talked to a few food you know, companies. And so
2: you, you know, you, you have to, people say, well, give me some advice for starting a business. And I say, you just, you've got to have some passion around the general concept because you're going to get beaten up. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, the, the, the ends, so to speak, so to speak, justify the means in the sense of, it it has to be more than money because the money will become oh my god if you're just doing it for the money you're gonna it's gonna hurt um, you you got for me that's where the social entrepreneurship you, you have to have a larger mission or cause behind it so that you can kind of deal with when you're doing a demo as an example and someone comes up tastes your product and literally says out loud that's awful <laughs> oh, and you're like mom. <laughs> You know,
0: you quickly develop thick skin if you didn't have it before, right? right? You
2: know, I mean. and you think, or 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 you go to a buyer somewhere at some store or some some big chain, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't think so," you know. But then you've got at the same time you get lots, and those are like yeah. the smaller moments, right? Yeah. But they hurt. And you get them a lot. But yeah. then there are lots and lots of happy positives. You know, you get the hug from the person or you get the. Yeah. And that's what keeps you going.
0: For sure. So what are your <laughs> what are your favorite? There's a ton of different um, condiments and you know seasonings. And like you talked about, just the influence from your travels around the world that went into making these sauces in addition to being you know organic and non-GMO, etc. But what would you say to someone who hasn't tried your products? One, where we can find you, where they can find you. In the Twin Cities and outside of the Twin Cities, and then what would be like your top three?
2: Uh, so we we mentioned the co-ops here, particularly the Lake Winds and the Wedge and Linden Hills, uh, as well as Lunds Barleys. That's where you can find them. Um, we I would say that interestingly, you know, everybody has a, a different favorite. The the reason why I like the Chimmy Verde so much is because it was our first product and it was the one that was inspired by our our time in in um, the stands <laughs> uh kazakhstan and, and the like and so i i really love that product particularly on um on meat you know being a meat eater uh but i also love the smoky red mustard i i think it it is just perfect uh for you know um hot dogs or hamburgers once again i'm going to meat. Um, but then, quite frankly, I love the kale pesto. The kale oh, pesto- that's, that's is, my favorite.
1: <laughs> um, that's so been it, my favorite. Yeah. The kale
2: pesto just crushes it because yes. it, 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 it's the number one seller and um, it, it just, it's, it's, it's vegan and it's a different twist on what pestos are. We tend to grow up, by the way, I love original pestos. I mean, I'm a basil freak, so I love it. But I like the idea of having a whole line of vegan pestos that don't have cheese in them, but yet have that are rich with flavor. And so I'm um, we have these uh three pestos that, you know, that are just gonna be well, actually we have a line of six, but they're this kale pesto and the one that's about to come out is not in the stores yet, is I, I don't know, it might surpass the, the kale pesto, certainly on a flavor is this red bell pepper. Ooh, pesto. I can't and wait. Sounds delicious. I know. <laughs> and then the tomato pesto does well. So that's too much time. And then we have this line of soups that will be coming out um uh, in in the in the in the fall. So oh wow. So we try to you know continue to look at categories that we think might be ripe for some new flavors. Yes. And so for us, it it, it it's we're going to be focusing more on organic and good flavor more than anything. Hopefully, as a platform for more creati- creativity, but also um, you know it's all the products are good enough to to eat. On its own.
0: Exactly. I was going to say, even with the smoky mustard, if you yeah. don't eat meat, I've just dipped it with um, crackers. I mean, you could, yeah, there's you other can, uses you don't for all of these meat. I should, I'm sure everyone Oh no, no. I just want to I'm office. not a meat I, I, eater. She's looking at me. Everyone but, at the office yeah. is probably
2: like, I can't believe you talk about meat so much. Because most, most, a lot of our folks do not use the products with meat. Particularly those the pestos and the dipping and it's great, you know. Well the veggies. the
1: green yeah. sauce, I can't remember what it's called, but the green the, the one chili, the berry. Yeah. 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 That one I used in my slow cooker with chicken, oh, actually. it was so and it was the easiest thing. Like the you dump it in and turn it on and it was had so much flavor. Yes, Did it was you delicious.
2: Say
1: I, used my I, used a, I used a um slow cooker, but you I can,
2: love slow pot yeah. insta, insta yeah. pots. I mean yeah. it is like the best.
0: Yeah. And the curry mole, you can do that with also. Oh, I think I tried that one too. In the yes. instant pot. Yep. And it's so easy for anyone who's out there who's pressed for time, who needs to feed yeah, a family. Yeah, just...
2: I do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and then I, you know, I'll literally throw some chicken in with some of the sauce and then. You um, the veggie on the
0: side and you're
2: kind of, light, you know, whatever, whatever else you want. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, if you, you're, you're speaking Minnesotan. <laughs> I mean, we all have these. You know, I love crockpots and crock, absolutely. Pots and, you know.
0: Yep, but there's more flavor than some of the traditional Minnesotan dishes. I'm not from here, but I shouldn't be bashing well, anyone. Well, but well, they're that's, really flavorful, yeah. which I—that's what I love.
2: Well, that—that's the whole point, right? So we want convenience. So you can literally just put chicken in a in a crockpot, throw some of the curry mole or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and boom, you have a good dish. You know, have some, put some rice. You know. Quite frankly, I have the ricer, the Instapot, Pot, the chicken, and the curry mole, and then I just get a vegetable, and we're done. And,
0: yes. Well,
1: and you know it's and, uh, it's non-GMO uh, and it's organic yeah, it's and it's yeah, not exactly. going to yeah. be like you know you're filling yourself up with tons of sodium and yeah. all the sugar and yeah. So you know it's a good dish too, yeah, healthy. Right
2: on. Right so
1: now. I'm guessing you've made quite a few mistakes along oh, the God. way in all of these different endeavors. And I'm wondering what advice you have for people or practical tips about, like, making your mistakes and then how do you move forward or how do you learn from them?
2: Boy, I have made so many mistakes. I mean, I'll make three today, probably. Um, you know, you know, I, I was just doing something on, um, on work-life integration versus work-life balance. Which is not a term that I came up with. You know, a buddy of mine did, who's the head of Zevia. I don't know if you know that company. We work with them. They're a, a no sugar soda. Yeah. Um, great product. Great, great group of people out of Los Angeles. Um, but this idea that, um, you know, uh, well, let me get back to the mistake thing. So. Here's an interesting thing. So my dad died um, last March. It's been really, really hard. And so I've been seeing a therapist uh, every Mm -hmm. week, when I've been in town anyway, for the last year. And we spent about four to six months talking about my dad. And now we're talking about me. (laughs) Now, I've seen a therapist before, but I'm a strong believer in, in having somebody to talk to because it's really hard out there and you make mistakes and you can really beat yourself up if you're a pleaser and you're a A personality and you're an achiever, you can sometimes get down. And so I believe in, in that. I also believe in, in riding, for me, um, being alone. I'm a quote, for hire extrovert. So I need to, to reboot myself um, by playing guitar or quite frankly, riding my bike. I ride, The integration thing I was mentioning is I ride my bike to work when I can so that I'm getting that in the, the day. So I'm talking to somebody. I'm also doing my best to try to practice gratitude in the morning, although I struggle with it because I'm always future-oriented that I need to try to get in the present. If you're very future-oriented, you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about where they're going to school, you're thinking about this parent, blah, 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 is he gonna make the hockey team? You know, (laughs) um, and you're in the idea that you're only as happy as your least happy child and you're taking all this stuff on. So, you know, having someone You know, trying to practice that gratitude and try to build that resilience, to me, once again, comes from, yes, exercise, but interestingly, of course, we know this, and I fall off the wagon, eating well, Mm -hmm. you know, like when I stuff too much food into my face, and I love eating after nine o'clock, I love love to watch, I love to watch, um, you know, Fleabag, which is, by the way, I love that series, and some of these others, and Mm -hmm. I'm eating because I'm all excited, you know. So it's like, stop eating. Go to another part of the area where it's not in the kitchen. Anyway, that's too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, great advice. Take your own advice or not. (laughs) Marty and I give that out all the time.
2: Yeah, I'm great Um, at giving advice.
0: Exactly. Sometimes it's a little harder to take it, let me tell you. Mm. All right. So I think as we wrap up, there's been so, I mean, as far as like the advice and the insight that you've given to our listeners. It's just been amazing. I think so many people are going to take away a lot from this discussion. But one final question that we ask all of our guests um, is what does the art of living well mean to you?
2: You know, interestingly, the art of living well for me perfectly when I'm when I'm in the flow is when I when I'm interestingly in the moment and I'm I, I I I've I've been working out. Um, you know, riding my bike or playing hockey or whatever, three to three plus days a week. I've, I've, I've had a handle on, on quite frankly, for me, uh, eating, um, moderately, um, eating, even though I'm not, you know, gluten intolerant, um, I'm eating, um, things that, that don't make my tummy hurt as much. Um, I'm drinking less because uh, then then, you know, I'm not just going crazy on the weekend. So it's it's a more of a as usual, the cliche, the, the moderation, the working out. But also I'm, I'm I'm in that moment of gratitude that I'm in a practice of meditation, you know, in the morning for 15 minutes of just saying what I'm thankful for and then reminding myself before I go to bed to do that. And I'm in that zone.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. Yes. Um, this has been so much fun having you on the podcast. You've been, you've given us so much inspiration and so much to think about. I feel like we could have you back again in a whole other conversation. Well,
2: you're inspiring. I like what you're, I like, I like, um, the, the mission and vision and and the, the, the messages that you're sharing in the world It's very, very important and the guests that you've had. And, um, I wish you all the, all the success in the world because, um, these are, these are good topics.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you
1: so much. So, Stephanie, people keep asking me, and I think you get the same question, like, what's a great protein powder to use? And there's so many protein powders on the market, and they're overwhelming, right? Trying to, like, figure out what's good, what's not good. Um, We both love the DNS powder,
0: which is a daily nutritional support. From Equilibrium Nutrition. And, Marnie, you're the one that turned me on to it probably a year ago now, and or I'm, I've been converted from a lot of the other protein powders that I was using that you would pick up at the store. Nothing against any of those other products, but what we love about this is it's a complete multivitamin. So you can't even really say it's a protein powder, but there is a clean plant-based source of protein that's all non-GMO, third-party verified for heavy metals. um. And and for those of you that don't know what third party
1: verified means, that means like a third party is coming in, looking at the ingredients that are listed and actually verifying that what's in this container is really in the container. Right. And that's super important because a lot of protein powders on the market are not verified, and they're putting in like fillers and all kinds of
0: stuff. Exactly. Um, So I love this because you don't need a multivitamin. And honestly, in addition to having an excess of probably your daily um, recommended allowance for the vitamins and minerals, there's um, there's ingredients in here that help just support gut health, right?
1: And it's 15 grams of a vegan protein. Um, it's it's pretty low sugar, and it tastes really good. Tastes like really good. Comes in chocolate and vanilla.
0: And kids can use it too. You would just reduce their dosage.
1: Yep, my. Two daughters have a scoop every day in their smoothie. Right. Um, It's nut free, dairy free, soy free, gluten free, non GMO.
0: (laughs) Um, It's honestly it's the cleanest and most complete nutritional support and protein powder that Marnie and I have found. And we've both done a lot of um, research on our own and have gone through many different protein powders that we've used over the years. So if you're
1: interested in purchasing the protein powder, you can head over to our website, theartoflivingwell.us products and check it out.
0: Yep. Yeah, and message us if you have any questions.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us
0: today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media.
1: If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the art of living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.